Mikey Choir, turn with me please to Mark chapter 1. We're also going to be in John chapter 1 in just a moment as we get to that point, as we continue our mini-series entitled Discipleship 101. This is going to be a, a start and stop series throughout the spring. So we're going to do a few and then go to Easter and then do a few and go to somewhere else. And so as, uh, as our Discipleship Pathway team continues working on the, uh, the pathway they're going to be rolling out uh, this spring, we're going to be talking about discipleship along the way. Last Sunday, we defined a discipleship pathway as, do you remember? You have your uh, last Sunday notes in front of you. A next step process that helps you grow in your personal relationship with Jesus. It's a well-defined next step process. It even can help you sort of chart your progress as you, as you uh, move along the discipleship pathway. This, this approach is not a program as that is part of the church. Discipleship is not a program that's part of the church. It's a process that's the priority of the church. As we try to strengthen each other, as we try to grow in our faith, as we try to become more Christ-like uh, day by day, we define a disciple as a committed believer intentionally progressing spiritually through the power of the Holy Spirit, ultimately reproducing other disciples. And we said last week, that's where many churches and many of us, all of us, not just ministry staff, but, but all of us have dropped the ball because when Jesus said, make disciples, he intended for there to be a, a multiplication uh, aspect of that making disciples. Well, then we define discipleship as intentionally, strategically equipping believers with God's word through loving, accountable relationships led and empowered by the Holy Spirit to multiply faithful followers of Christ. Leave that up there for just a second, please. The result is the multiplication of faithful followers of Christ. Faithful followers who are growing through the power of the Holy Spirit in their discipleship and they're following Jesus, helping others become disciples by multiplying faithful followers of Jesus. And driving these definitions is our strategy. Now, this is a pop test. Someone who is not directly involved with the refocus team, vision team, or advisory team, tell me what our strategy is. You don't like pop tests, do you? Neither did I. Three words gather, grow, go. Thank you. Gather, grow, go. That strategy is driving. Uh, the discipleship pathway is driving the uh, definition of disciple and driving the disciple, uh, definition of discipleship. Now, just to recap, as we examined the text last Sunday, we said that discipleship requires conversion. The starting point of, of discipleship is coming to Christ and salvation. That life-changing moment in which we give our hearts to Christ, in, in which we open up our, our lives and invite Jesus to be our Savior and receive the free gift of eternal life is the beginning point of discipleship. Discipleship is not a second step. It is the step that begins at conversion. Then, we said that conversion requires repentance and belief. J. Edwin Orr said the first word of the gospel is repentance. The word for repentance literally means a change of mind and, and, and involves a change of mind about sin, which leads us to, to uh, belief in Jesus Christ, which brings to us the forgiveness of God. Our life is heading one way without God, and we turn 
from sin and turn to God by receiving the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. A young adult was saved and someone asked her, what were you before you were saved? And she answered, a sinner. Then she was asked, well, what are you now? And she answered, a sinner. And they were puzzled and they asked, well, what's the difference? And the lady replied, before I was a sinner running after sin, now I'm a sinner running from sin. She knew exactly. Now she knew better. Because Jesus was living in her heart. The Holy Spirit was indwelling her. She, had, she was working on uh, growing in her Christ likeness. And she knew the difference. And she changed her mind about sin and changed the direction of her life. Repentance happens at the moment of conversion. But repentance is an ongoing process, isn't it? Because even though we are right with God, we're righteous because of Jesus' work on the cross, when we accept Christ as Savior, we still face temptation, we still fail, and we have to turn from our sin and turn back to God through our relationship with Jesus Christ. Repentance is an ongoing choice because we see sin as wrong, we confess it, and better yet, we flee from it. Well, as we focus on 16 through 18 of chapter 1 of Mark this morning, what else do we see as we continue thinking about Discipleship 101, part 2? Well, first of all, the call to discipleship is a call to follow me. A call to follow me. Jesus wasn't taking a leisurely stroll as He walked by the Sea of Galilee. Every step He took as He began His ministry had a purpose. And He was heading towards Jerusalem. He was heading toward the cross. Every step of His ministry was purposeful. The word walk literally means to to, uh, walk about, to pass alongside. And as He passed alongside, He came first upon Simon and Andrew. And as He continued His walking, a little later He came across James and John. Now, scholars feel like, if you'll turn to John chapter 1 with me for just a moment, scholars feel like that this encounter recorded in Mark was not the first time that Jesus had uh, met these folks and seen these folks. John records the earlier encounter with Jesus. As you look at chapter 1, verse 35 of John's gospel. I'll give you a second to turn there. John records again the next day, Uh, John stood with two of his disciples, and looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned, and seeing them following, said to them, What do you seek? And they said to him, Rabbi, which is to say, uh, when translated, Teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and remained with him that day. Now it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, the Anointed One, which is translated the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Now when Jesus looked at him, he said, You are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. So they'd already seen Jesus. So when, when Jesus walked upon them, Jesus, uh, they, they recognized Jesus. They already knew He was the Messiah. They had already uh, received Him. They, they were acquainted with His work. Now these men were professional fishermen. They weren't out there for recreation. They were simply going about their daily business of trying to, to make a living. They were in the uh, middle of casting their nets when Jesus approached. And Jesus said, follow me. Now, that, those words literally mean, come after me, or come follow me. 
And it means to accept and follow the leadership and the guidance of another. So here in these words, in this invitation, is the idea of aligning our lives to Jesus and walking with Him in commitment day by day. Think about that thought. How does that thought apply to your life right now, wherever you are in your spiritual journey? Aligning my life to Jesus and walking with Him in commitment day by day. Have you aligned your life with Jesus? That's a constant process too, as we uh, have to prioritize and and line up our lives with with Jesus' priorities. Jesus said, follow me. Come after me. This is more of an invitation than a command. Yet Jesus speaks with authority when He said, follow me. Do you notice something about this call to follow? We're going to be exploring this later on. Jesus initiates this call to follow. Now, in New Testament times, oftentimes, if, if there was some famous teacher, some famous rabbi, students would be pursuing this rabbi and saying, I want to sign up for your class. I want to be under your tutelage. I want to be amongst your... I want to be a disciple. I want to be a learner. But Jesus initiated this call. He's reaching out to these men. Jesus comes to us. And He invites us to follow Him, to come after Him, to come to Him. He loves us so much and desires a a personal relationship with each of us. He he wants us to, to, uh, to follow Him. They were called to fellowship. They were called to communion. They were called to, to, uh, to, to line their lives up with Jesus. So are we. That's the call He places upon our lives. This call to follow is the call to spend time with Jesus. This call to follow is the, time, the call to do life with Jesus, to learn from Him as, as a disciple. They were called to fellowship and communion. So are we. Think about those words. They spent a lot of time with Jesus. They didn't have the things pulling at them that we have pulling at us in, in our day and time. It, it takes a lot of commitment and a lot of discipline and a lot of focus to spend quality time with Jesus these days, doesn't it? There is so much pulling at us. I, I was reading this week about the number of hours that we, we spend staring at our screens. For example, the American Academy of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry states that on the average, teens in the U.S. spend up to nine hours per day watching or using screens, including smartphones, tablets, gaming consoles, TVs, and computers. This heavy use of screen time can lead to sleep, weight, and mood issues, they said. Well, adults are heavy on screen time also, aren't we? Whether it's social media or TV watching or or online browsing. And I thought, I wonder how many hours we're spending with Jesus. I wonder how much of our discretionary time does Jesus get. I wonder how many times throughout the day that if we're praying without ceasing, if we're walking with Jesus, we just stop and have a Jesus break. And take our eyes off the screen and and just just think about Jesus. How how much time, think about your week. How much time did you spend with Jesus this week? Second, the call to discipleship begins the, the journey of spiritual growth. Jesus says, follow me and I will make you to become. I will make you to become... This word means to begin to emerge, transitioning from from one point 
to another. You are here right now, and Jesus is going to make you to become, to progress to here and beyond. That's, that's what He wants to do in our lives. The word implies movement or, or growth. It's the same word in 2 Peter, used in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4. I'll read that passage for you. You may want to mark this passage down, 2 Peter 1, 4. For by these, this is the New American Standard Bible version, for by these He has granted to us His precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in this world by lust. Our becoming partakers of His divine nature begins at a point in time, that moment that we are born again coming to Christ in salvation. It continues as a process, our progressive growth in Christ-likeness, our growth in holiness for the rest of our days upon this earth. Now think about what happened in the life of Simon Peter, for example. He was a, he was a fumbling, bumbling, impulsive, brash, rough individual. Yet Jesus saw Peter's potential the moment he met them. He met him. You remember what he said in, in John chapter 1, verse 42? We read it a moment ago. Now when Jesus looked at him, he said, Simon, you are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. Peter initially had a a faltering faith. At one point he was brave enough to step out of the boat and into the water to meet Jesus. But as soon as he did, he panicked. He took his eyes off Jesus and he began to, to sink. Jesus had to pull him out of the water. Peter boasted he would never, ever abandon Jesus. No way would he deny Jesus. But when the pressure was on, Peter denied his Lord three times. Yet Jesus never gave up on him. Jesus saw his faith progress. And as Peter's faith progressed, Peter, after the resurrection, was filled with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. He became bold in his preaching. He became bold in his leadership. He became bold in helping to spread the gospel. He became bold in the face of authorities who attempted to shut down the gospel. Listen to this, to what happened in Acts chapter 4, beginning in verse 13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, the boldness of Peter... I mean, he'd come a long way since, since the garden. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, what qualifications do you have to have to be a disciple? They marveled. And they realized that they had been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go out to go aside of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For indeed, that a notable miracle has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them. And from now on, uh, they, they speak to no man in this name. So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all or teach in the name of Jesus. They were trying to stop right there the spread of the gospel. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things of which we have seen and heard. What happened in Peter's life? There was tremendous spiritual growth. From the initial moment by the Sea of Galilee until the early chapters of the book of Acts, we see how Jesus made Peter to become. 
And that's what He's doing in our lives too, if we'll just let Him, if we'll just let go, if we'll submit to Him, if we'll just open our lives to Him. That's what happens when we are serious about following Jesus and growing into Christ's likeness. What do you see Jesus doing in your life this morning? Well, let me ask this question. When, when Jesus looks deep into your soul, deep into your life, deep into your heart, when Jesus examines your life this morning, what does He see? Does He see that willingness? Does He see submission? Jesus sees where you are. And He also sees the tremendous progress you can make if you will choose to follow Him daily. He wants to make you to become. Will we let Him? Third, the call to discipleship is a call to serve. The call to discipleship is a call to serve. We've talked about grow and growing. Now we're talking about part of going. We're not just called to, to grow spiritually. We are called to, to exercise our, our spiritual gifts, to, to uh, let the outflow of our spiritual growth be service to the Lord. Jesus said, hey, you've been catching fish, now you'll be catching men. I will make you to become fishers of men. There's nothing wrong with catching fish. But Jesus called them to take their fishing skills up a, up a notch and to another level and to join Him in His kingdom work. Apply your fishing skills to catching souls for Jesus, Jesus says. Draw, draw men out of darkness and into light. Draw men from the clutch of Satan and into the arms of God. Share Jesus and the good news of the gospel. Bring souls into the net of God's love. Spurgeon wrote about becoming a fisher of men. His business is not to entice fish to swallow his bait, but to cast the net all around him and lift him by his grace out of the element in which he lies in sin and into the boat where Christ still sits. What did Jesus see in their fishing expertise that could be applied to fishing for men? They may have been uneducated. They may have been untrained. They certainly spent time with Jesus. But they obviously had some skills Jesus was interested in. What, what were those skills? What did he see? Well, first he saw a practical reality. These fishermen went to where the fish were. You're talking about going back to basics. I mean, they didn't expect the fish to come to them. I, I guess occasionally a fish might jump into your boat. I'd love to hear that fishing story. Or a flying fish might happen into your bucket. But that would be highly unusual. On one episode of the Andy Griffith show, Opie was, was really young and Aunt B came to visit on a trial basis. She was trying her best to fit in. She wanted so much for Opie to accept her and to like her. So she decided to go fishing with Andy and Opie. She didn't know much about fishing because when she got to the water, she was holding her bait a few feet above the surface of the water. When Opie commented on that, Andy was quick to save Aunt B from being embarrassed. He said she was such a good fisherman, she was fishing for flying fish. Listen, you can't go fishing unless you go where the fish are found. Every now and then, God draws someone 
to our church. Occasionally, someone shares that they were, they were passing by our church and they just felt this tremendous pull, this tremendous urging, this tremendous drawing to, to come and visit. I've heard stories like that through the years. You may have heard the story of one of our newer church members who, who stopped to watch the cows graze in the farm next door. And as he watched the cows, he looked over at our church and felt impressed. The Holy Spirit impressed upon him, you need to go visit that church. And he did. And he's with us. And I'm so thankful. Sometimes it works that way. But usually, people come because we care enough to invite them and bring them with us or meet them here or invite them to come. They're waiting for your invitation. Easter is right around the corner. And that is a great time to go fishing, folks. However, normally, unless there is an exception this morning, normally we don't see lost people lining up and knocking down the doors of our churches to get in, do we? We have to go where the people are. We have to care enough about their spiritual condition to speak to them about Jesus. We have to care enough about them to build relationships. We have to care enough about them to be intentional about praying for the lost and and praying for their uh, spiritual condition and sharing the gospel. Jesus saw a practical reality. These fishermen went to where the fish were. But not only that, he saw a positive attitude. Every fisherman knows that you're only one cast away from landing the big one, aren't you? So you just keep casting. You just keep casting. You just keep hoping. Every time you put your hook into the water, you anticipate a bite. You anticipate a catch. You've got to remain positive. Third, He saw a persistent approach. You can't catch fish if you don't fish. If you don't catch the one one on the first cast, then you, you cast and cast again. Sometimes you change locations. Sometimes you change bait. Maybe you change out equipment. In this case, they were using nets, not those big nets that they drag along the back of the boat, but those smaller nets that they they throw and, and, and pull together and and bring in. Fourth, he saw a patient approach. As you persistently cast, you must exercise patience. Those fish are in a different world. Literally, we're on the land, breathing air, they're in the water, and so are lost people. They do not have Jesus on their horizon one bit. But we know they need Jesus. They're running in a different world. They have no idea. They have no clue. They don't have any idea what Easter's all about. They have no idea what what heaven and hell are all about, but they know something's missing in their lives. Those fish are, are sometimes slow, aren't they? But we have to be persistent. We have to be patient. Fifth, he saw a willingness to fish. Good fishermen learn how to fish. They keep polishing their skills. There are techniques that you have to learn about. You have to learn about bait and lures and climate and time of day and and types of fish. There there is no one way to catch fish. Some fish fish uh, some folks fish from the bank with a cane pole and a uh, a worm and a hook and catch fish. Some spend thousands on fancy bass boats and enter tournaments. How did they get from the bank to the bass boat? Well, we have to learn. 
We have to progress. So stay tuned. We're going to be giving you some opportunities later on this year to, to freshen your skills, to sharpen your skills and how to share Jesus, how to share your faith. And what a tremendous difference you can make in someone's life if you'll just be intentional about sharing Jesus. Are you willing to learn how to share your faith? Are you willing to, to sharpen your skills? Are you willing to invite? Are you willing to share? There is no greater joy than to be a fisher of men if we're willing. Fourth, the call to discipleship demands an immediate response. Go back to uh, 18 for just a moment of Mark chapter 1. They immediately left their nets and followed him. And then verse 20, he moved on to John and James, and immediately he called them, and they left their father, Zebedee, in the boat with the hired servants and went after him. Mark says immediately. Mark used this word 11 times in chapter 1. 41 times in his gospel, Mark uses immediately. These four men left their nets, they left their equipment, they left their investment, they left their vocation, they left their family business. One pair left their father and his servants in the boat. They left their family, they left their routine, they left the familiar, and immediately they followed Jesus. They signed up right away. I don't know what their income was, but whatever it was, they left their financial security in order to follow Jesus. No hesitation, no excuses, no procrastination. They had a new and immediate obedience to Jesus. That's what Jesus is looking for in our lives, folks. Not excuses, not rationale, but immediate obedience, a willingness. And immediacy. Obviously, they felt the Spirit's call. They felt the Spirit's compulsion to join up with the master fisherman and his greater cause of fishing for souls. In this passage, we find an illustration, a picture of amazing obedience. Kent Hughes said, in these few lines, we have one of the most famous acts of obedience in history. Christ came with a radical message and then a radical call, and these four responded in radical obedience. We're going to be exploring this call further. But mark this down. A committed disciple is an obedient disciple. How are you doing in the area of obedience this morning? Have you been struggling with something Jesus is calling you to do, and you know Jesus is calling you to do it, but for whatever reason you haven't quite let go and, and trusted Him enough to follow Him? Have you decided to follow Jesus? The initial stage of discipleship is coming to Christ in conversion, accepting the free gift of eternal life. Will you decide to follow Jesus today? We want to encourage you to make life's most important decision this morning. We have folks ready to talk to you about what that means. If you want to, to, to grab me or, or one of us after the service this morning, we want to talk to you about how to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. If you're watching online, we encourage you to make life's most important decision, the decision to say yes to Jesus. Will you say yes to Jesus this morning? Please reach out to me at dchancy at McDonough Road, ROAD.org, this uh, address on your screen. And let's set up a time to get together this week. Don't let this slide. This is too important to play games with. Let's accept Jesus Christ today, won't you? And maybe you've accepted Christ, but you've never followed through in baptism. We're going to be baptizing March 6th. 
You can be a part of that if we have a chance to talk about it. Would you follow Jesus in baptism? What about moving membership in the life of this church? That's an important step as we commit to the body of Christ, as we become a part of the family of God, as we serve God through the local church. We're available to you in this moment. As you do what Jesus leads you to do, please don't leave here in disobedience. But take a step for Jesus today. What is your next step? Father, we give you thanks for this call to be fishers of men. Thank you for your work in our lives, Lord, to help us become more and more and more like you. And we pray, Lord, that you would continue to help us with this emphasis on discipleship. Lord, that you would help us to be willing, wherever we are in our spiritual walk, Lord, to grow more and more like Jesus. And to even take folks under our wing so that we can teach them what it means to follow Jesus. Lord, bless our decision time. We pray for decisions for Christ today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.